Pardon me while I have a strange interlude. Why, you couple of baboons? What makes you think I'd marry either one of you? Strange how the wind blows tonight. It has a thin, eerie voice that reminds me of poor old Marsden. How happy I could be with either of these two if both of them just went away. Hey, everybody. Welcome to the Big Hairy Eyeball Podcast. I'm Pete Pollock. This is my show, and uh, welcome to it. Today, I'm going to be talking to Dennis Kramer. Dennis is a musician. He's a friend of mine, funny guy, interesting guy. We've had a lot of good conversations over the years, and uh, I thought that it would be good to have him on and uh, maybe try and do an actual interview with him. Uh, Dennis and I, a few years ago, we did a, a podcast together the Chica Walker show. And uh, there's a long and convoluted reason for that name. And I won't get into it right now. But uh, it was kind of a comedy thing that we did just trying to promote our band. And, you know, we we cracked each other up and we said, oh, we should do this as a podcast. There it was. It was uh, it's still out there somewhere in the universe. I think if you search it on iTunes, if you're curious, it's probably there still. And, uh, you know, it was just something that we kind of did as a lark. And I thought it would be kind of cool to bring Dennis in and uh, have a chat uh, where we're not trying to crack each other up. Of course, we did that just a little bit. But uh, I really wanted to talk to Dennis uh, about uh, music and uh, some of the stuff that he's seen. And, and uh, he's a little older than I am, so his memories go back further in the rock and roll world. So he had some good tales to tell. Anyway, I, uh, I wanted to also note that when I listened to my intro... Uh, a couple from a couple weeks ago, I felt like I talked really, really fast. I don't know if anybody else noticed that, but I was really just a very stream of consciousness and just uh, putting a, a hundred words per second into my mouth. I kind of felt like uh, people might have thought I was speeding or something like that, and I was not. So, uh, but listening back, you know, this is a learning process for me, and it's an ongoing, uh, you know, it'll be a journey. So I'm going to, I'm trying to take the opportunity to speak a little more slowly and a little more clearly and perhaps even pause every once in a while and just let things happen on their own. So, uh, so today on the show, I thought uh, we didn't really get into this in the conversation, but I thought I'd tell you a little bit about my background with Dennis. Um, back in the nineties, I was playing in a band called Bachelor's Grove uh, that means something to people on the south side of Chicago. It won't mean anything to anybody elsewhere in the universe. But uh, we were uh, we were three piece, and we were looking to add a guitar player. And when you you know when you're when you're looking and you're uh, you're auditioning people and you run the ad in the paper, that's what you used to do back then. You get a real cast of characters coming through, and you know there's a you know there's. There's all, you meet all kinds of people. I don't want to insult anybody. You meet a wide variety of people. Some of them are very entertaining. Some of them are, are a little weird. Some of them are clearly clinically insane. Whatever. You meet a, a real group. And, uh, and one of the things that it is about being in a band, when you're trying to hire somebody and bring somebody in, a band is, 
is kind of like a marriage. I'm, that's not unique to me to say that, but you really do. You end up spending a lot of time together. You're rehearsing together all the time. You're, you know, you're maybe on the road together. You're sitting in cars for hours and hours at a time. You're staying in motel rooms together, whatever. You spend a lot of time together. And, and if, you're, if you're doing it right, in my opinion, you also kind of get to be friends with these people. And sometimes you do things outside of the band. They become a little bit of your, your social group. So, you know, uh, when you're when you're auditioning somebody, you're you're looking for some very specific things. Number one, you you want somebody who kind of plays the same music as you. You have to have some overlap of interest. Uh, you know, number two, you want somebody who can actually play the music. They need to be good enough. You know, in my case, I'm not I'm not great, but uh, you know, I play in a bar band. You know, that's that's my level. And you want somebody who's capable of playing, at least playing at that level that you're working with. And uh, you're also looking for somebody with the, the personality that you're going to get along with. Because, you know, I, anybody who's been in bands for a while knows that you, there's the occasional situation where you're fighting with each other all the time and it just becomes a real grind. And you don't want that if you can avoid it. You try and go in feeling like you're going to be friends. And so... It's kind of in, in the same way that you're, you, being in a band, you end up getting married in a strange way. You end up doing that with basically an hour of speed dating. And that, that's the weird part about all of this. Because when you audition somebody, you get them in for an hour, and then you move on to somebody else, then you move on to somebody else, and you get a list of you know five or ten people or whatever, whoever came out and whoever you tried. And then you go, who can I live with and and for the next five or 10 years, who, who can I put up with and who's going to put up with me? So you're looking for the right kind of personality. And I will tell you that when we were auditioning people back in the nineties to fill the fourth slot in our band, Dennis was one of those people who came in and pretty much as soon as he pulled his guitar out of his case, sometimes you just know, because I don't know if you know anything about playing guitar. If you don't, that's fine. But you know, you, you play guitar, if you're right-handed, um, the, the neck of the guitar sticks off to the left. And if you play left-handed, then the next neck sticks off to the right. I don't know why guitars are different from pianos. They're different for right-handed people than left-handed people. That's, that's fine. That's the way it is. But on almost every guitar in the world, whether the neck points to the left or to the right, the, the low-pitch strings, the heavy ones, the big ones, are at the top closest to your head. And the high-pitched strings are at the bottom, closest to your feet. That's just how guitars work. Dennis takes his guitar out of his case, and I looked at it, and he's got a, he plays left-handed, but it's as though you had a right-handed guitar and just kind of flipped it over. So the low-pitched strings are by his feet, and the high-pitched strings are up closer to his head. It's completely backwards. And this isn't unknown. There are a few people in the world who do this. Uh, it's, uh, he, he basically learned by, you know, borrowing right-handers guitars and flipping them over and, and playing left-handed. And so all his chords are upside down and everything else. And, and I'd never seen anybody play that way in real life. And I looked at him and I said, you know, that's, that's just crazy enough to work. This, this is the guy. And fortunately we auditioned him and, you know, I, I was correct. I think we, we all knew as soon as we saw that. Because when you meet somebody who's crazy in the right way, 
And I think we've probably all at some point met somebody who's crazy in the wrong way, and that's a bad thing. But you meet somebody who's crazy in the right way, you know that you're going to get along and you're going to be friends. And that is true. And, and we've been, uh, you know, we, the band eventually went its separate ways. Dennis and I fell out of touch. And then um, back in the MySpace era, if anybody remembers when MySpace was a thing, back in that era, uh, Dennis and I, uh, you know, I found him on MySpace and sent him a note and said, hey, uh, remember me? We used to be in a man together. And we kind of connected up. And, you know, since then we've played in a few bands and we've just been in touch ever since. You're going to listen to this today and you'll hear me occasionally trying to rerail the interview back into, you know, <laughs> questions and answers. Um, but we've known each other so long that it really just kind of meanders all over the place, which I'm totally fine with. In fact, I'm kind of glad that it went that way. And, uh, you know, we, uh, who knows, we may bring Dennis in again at some point in the future, or we may do another episode of the Chico Walker show, uh, just, you know, for the heck of it. But, uh, this is my interview with Dennis Kramer and I hope you enjoy it. I enjoyed talking to him and hopefully you'll get as much out of it as I did. So how you been, man? Good, good. All right. So uh, I wanted to, uh, I, I was thinking about the stuff that we could talk about today. And, uh, you know, you and I have a lot of interest in music. Mm -hmm. So I figured that that would be a good place to jump off. Oh, sure. Yeah. So, so start, you and I have played in like 100 bar bands uh, over the years. Oh, yeah. Uh, you know, and maybe about 50 together. Well, yeah, close. Yeah, well, or maybe three, but <laughs> something like that. Yeah, three, three four. Uh, if you count every name change as another band, I guess, yeah. Yeah. Okay. All right, so probably two if we want to get down to that. Yeah, but I like the name. Of the Bob name change bands and then uh, Bachelor's Girl back in the 90s. Yeah, so that's four in my recollection. Okay, all right. So we're going with four. All right, four is a good number. So going back to... Uh, you recording already? I'm recording already. Holy mesh. <laughs> I don't waste any time. I, I, like, oh, I, I like the VHS tapes. That's nice. Yeah, thanks, man. Uh, I'm, you, I'm big you, on the VHS. I think they're going to make a comeback. You I'm play, waiting to sell them to the hipsters. You play those a lot? Dude? Yeah, yeah. Oh, really? Okay. VHS, uh, Beta. Beta, I think, is going to be big in the future. I, this I, is the spare bedroom, the media room, the media library. <laughs> In 19, and, and the re podcast recording studio. In 1980, I bought my first VHS uh, uh, deck. And at the time, deck. Uh, a guy I worked with had a, uh, a beta. And he said, this was 1980. They were both rather new at the time. And mm -hmm. he said, I did a lot of research and, and I decided that beta is the way to go. And I, and I went with an RCA VHS player and... Uh, recorder player and i'm very glad because i think two years later <laughs> beta he was, was the only one <laughs> on earth that still had a beta and but i paid 800 dollars for this rca vhs i know it's amazing <laughs> it's crazy 
eight hundred dollars. You know what I was? I was making thirty nine cents a month back then. Yeah, that's nineteen eighty. Right. No, I re- yeah. I remember that. I remember there was a comedian back in the eighties who said that he got a VCR. Mm-hmm. Boy, this is a great way to start. A way to relate to people, by the way. Sure. Anyway, mm-hmm. um, so he he had a joke about uh, you know he got a VCR and he couldn't mm-hmm. figure out how to program it, so he paid eight hundred dollars to have a clock in his living room. That was ba- that was his that, that is a good. <laughs> we and, should we should just uh, talk about other. Comedians' jokes and and, and, and technologies, <laughs> failed technologies. <laughs> yeah, but uh, we're going to start with the Edison cylinder and work our way up from there. VHS, though, I uh, I got rid of a few tubs of VHS tapes uh, a little while back. Now there was a time when all the libraries around the area would take them, but now they they don't take them either. No, they're paperweights. So, yeah, and really bad paperweights because they're yeah. not that heavy. So I just threw them in Lake Michigan. That's what. That's I probably the right thing to do. I think yeah. that's uh, the approved really the, yeah, disposal process. Well, there's, yeah, there's, take them down to the lake and just throw them in. Yeah, there's make dump, a landfill, plastic landfill. Yeah, there's dumping stations in certain parts. So yeah, just go there. Yeah. So uh, so uh, <laughs> VHS. All right, great. <laughs> Pretty soon we'll be saying that about DVDs, and now I have. Four. Oh no, they're already <laughs> going away, and I'm still buying uh, Blu-rays. That's the problem. But I have... people are. I, I said that to somebody recently, and she's like, well, "Why would you buy a Blu-ray? Like you can just get everything on demand streaming." Like, I, have... I don't know. <laughs> I have four thousand DVDs I, now. Yeah, <laughs> I wanted to watch the. Ma- it's right there. I wanted to watch the Magnificent Ambersons. Oh yeah, and it just came out on Blu-ray. So I'm like, I've never seen it before, and I'm like, "Well, this is a classic Orson Welles movie." I that was the check sequel to the. Ambersons. Right, right. The less than magnificent Ambersons. They got better over time. <laughs> yeah, that is considered one of his classics. Now, was, was that one that was not even finished while he was alive or one of those things? No, it was, or, well, it was, it was one that was wrecked. They actually oh, okay. screwed him over. So he, I think he finished it. He, he almost finished it. He had like a rough cut. It was mm-hmm. basically done. And he went out of the country to do something. And while he was gone, the movie studio showed it to a test audience. They didn't like it. And they came back and like totally chopped the movie up and reshot the ending and basically screwed with it. So it's kind of one of those famous uh, horrifying artistic nightmares because they, they literally destroyed, oh, my water wasn't good enough for you. You had to bring your own water. I didn't. Well, yeah, I, I have said, bottled water as well. I don't oh, just I, have tap you're water. You're drinking tap water, and I see like a chlorine film on the side of well, it. Well, that's that <laughs> so, adds flavor, so, and it makes sure that there's no bacteria in it. But You don't uh, dribble bleach into your water? I, I drink? just drink bottled water, and if you said right in the back, it says uh, bottled in Cleveland, so you know. You know, you know it's good. Lake Erie <laughs> yeah. is uh, swill. No, known for its water. Mm-hmm. All right. I'm well, sorry. I, 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 you know, mine wasn't good enough for you, but that's fine. I could have even offered you a LaCroix. Oh, LaCroix. That's yeah. French it's bottled French water. It's French for water. <laughs> and it comes from Paris. Yeah, right. Well, sort it's of. It's peed out by Parisians. Th- there's a Paris, Indiana. Yeah. Did you know that? I did not. There's I know a, there's a Cairo, Illinois. Right, there's Cairo, and a Chicago, <laughs> Illinois. But there's there's a Paris, Texas, and I mean there's a movie called that with Harry Dean Stanton, as you know, and and there's a Paris, Indiana, and, right. and every state has a Springfield. That's one of the rules. Right. Yeah, that's that's why the Simpsons town was named Springfield. Which I see you have VHS tapes of. I do. I, I, those are actually getting back DVDs. to VHS. Those I, are DVDs. I don't know that they actually had. Uh, Oh, those, oh, they're, a, they're oh, box sets, dude. Oh, box sets. I, I played along with the VHS thing. I do still own some, but they're not in this room. Right, those they're are the They're like home. in a bag <laughs> downstairs waiting to be disposed of. Go, I got to take them to Lake Michigan and throw them in the water. Right, well, plus they're homemade. Wink, wink. So. Right. 
Yeah. I, uh, I don't know. Very <laughs> low resolution, fortunately, for everybody involved. Mm -hmm. Especially me. I just made a noise drinking the water. It went through the yeah. I, I, don't worry. I can edit everything out. I'm going to edit noises. your voice out of this thing. It's just going to be me talking. Well, you ever seen There's well, a cartoon <laughs> that somebody does called Garfield without Garfield. No, no. Is Have it, you seen it? It's Garfield, like with Garfield deleted. So all the characters are still talking, mm -hmm. but Garfield isn't in there. And it's 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 kind of strangely zen and Did, philosophical. It's way better than Garfield. Is it on the YouTubes, as they call it? No, no, no. It's a, it's a comic. It's an actual comic. Like, you have to read it. Oh, I never heard of it's that. It's a drawing. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I still buy the Sun Times, so that's how that's well, how old yeah, Somebody's got to. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I remember the Sun Times. So starting getting getting back to music um, again, you start. Yeah, uh, I know that we really exhausted that topic, but uh, um, what what do, I was curious. I was wondering what your earliest because I know what mine is. Um, what's your earliest memory? Like, how did you get into music? Like, what as a child did it just hit you in the head, or you know, do you remember that at all? Oh sure. Well, see, I was lucky because I have older brothers. Uh, the three oldest brothers, Mick, Jim, and Bill, they were. Let me see. Like eight, eight, ten, and eleven years older than me, all three of them, and so they were into rock and roll from its infancy. Because I was born in '55, and I can remember around 1959 or '60. So I was, you know, four years old, depending on my birthday's in November. So depending on the month, I can. Rem I have a little recollection of actually playing the song "Sweet Little Sixteen by Chuck Berry and holding a little toy airplane and twirling in a, in a circle while playing that song over and over again. Wow. That's, that's how much I love the, the, the song. Just the, the beat, the, the rhythm just got to me. And I, I can remember doing the same with, uh, with Peggy Sue by Buddy Holly. And, and so that's, like I said, about four years old. I can, I can kind of remember that. So Because it, 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 I'm curious how people come to this kind of thing. You know, like I wonder about myself, like why I love music. Music is kind of one of my main things in the world. But right. how did I end up there? How did that end right. up happening? I don't I don't even really know. But I know that I didn't have older brothers, but I had. Uh, and you were born, you were what, 26 was, only or something like that? Yeah, yeah I mean, I'm 15. The, the older yeah. I get, the harder it is to, to tell you people's ages. Yes. But uh, I, I was, was born in the 60s. I, yeah. I was born in the year the Beatles came to America. Right. So you actually miss that. And that, I, I'm always interested in, in how people, how they come about it at, that are born after that, because the world changed on that night when they played Ed Sullivan. And anybody that was cognizant, and especially uh, that already liked music, their world was changed forever from that. And, and overnight... Uh, kids starting buying guitars and drums and and, and wanting to play instruments and and uh, soon bands sprouted everywhere, be, just because of that one thing and one night of the Beatles on Ed Sullivan. So uh, I'm really glad that I was born during that time, and I wouldn't trade it for anything. Now, do you remember the Ed Sullivan thing? Did you oh, watch yeah. that? Yeah, yeah. I was I was eight, and we uh, it was on CBS was Channel Two, and we had the Blonde TV on four legs. And, right, and, yeah, yeah. And, and it was the, like a centerpiece of the living room. And the rabbit ears and uh, and uh, uh, probably Reynolds wrap wrapped around it. Right. <laughs> you got to have that. And if, you and, if you and if you stood barefoot in a tub of water while holding the uh, antenna, they, it came in better. Than, yeah, yeah, and uh, wave your arms around and try and make it come in right. <laughs> right. But no, I do remember that because there was, there was this buildup for that show uh, – on the news and commercials and everything about 
uh, the Ed Sullivan Show coming, and, and so everybody everybody knew about it that it was going to happen. It wasn't a surprise or something. Well, that, so, that's so interesting. We, so we were, and what, Ed Sullivan was very smart too because the show started with the Beatles doing a song, doing "All My Loving." So that uh, no no. No screwing around, no 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 dancing plates. There's probably forty thousand uh, teenage girls in the audience screaming that we're gonna oh, yeah. you know murder somebody if they didn't get the Beatles uh, we, first up. You we know. didn't we'd have to sit through opera singers and and, and they played twice, clowns. right? They, he yes. brought them back later in the show, then. Yes, I believe they did three songs and to, to to start the show, and either two or three to end the show. I, I have it on DVD. That whole uh, that whole thing's been released, but. Uh, yeah, that was that was a very smart move on his part to to start. Let's go, let's but <laughs> go, it's, right, it's, go right with it. It's interesting that you say that though, because I don't ever think of you know. I mean, we've all heard that you know the Beatles showed up on Ed Sullivan and that changed yeah. the world and blah blah. But you don't think about the lead up to right. that. Like who you know did the Beatles just appear right. and then it was like the biggest thing in the world, or you know like obviously there was the landing in New York. And, you know, so people knew who they were. But, you know, I mean, I wonder, and you were you were probably still pretty young when that happened. What, about six or eight? I was eight only. But, okay. but it's it's funny, too, because I can remember it vividly. It doesn't seem like I was eight. It seems like I was 16 or something, the way right. I have the memories of it and the way I was anticipating it so much. And and, and my fr- I had friends my own age that were... That were just going just as crazy over this over this whole thing, and so we're such little kids. When you you always think that little kids don't know anything, uh, even today. But, oh, I always but, think that little but, kids know more than that. they let on. But they really do. I'm very <laughs> suspicious of small children. I was I was only eight, and and, uh, and and then it consumed my world so much at that at that age. It's it's pretty amazing when I look back at it. Yeah. See, I didn't have the older brothers, and I didn't mm-hmm. have any of that stuff. My parents were, you know, kind of of the I guess you'd call it more the swing era and the piano right. crooner kind of era. You know, they they, they kind of missed the – they were just a little bit too old, I think, for the rock and roll thing. Although I think my dad liked some of the Bobby Darren stuff and whatnot. But, okay. I, you know, they really didn't – they didn't really get that. And I, the first – my first musical memory, and this is <laughs> incredibly lame compared to the Beatles, was uh, somebody gave me – a Sesame Street album, because Sesame Street had begun by then, probably right around that time. Did it? Okay. And, I mean, you know, probably I was four years old, five years old or something. I was more of a and Romper it, Room guy. Yeah, yeah. Well, <laughs> I, I, I remember Romper Room. But Sesame Street had, uh, they, it was a bunch of songs. Like, I, the first song was uh, Abkadifki Hickelmanopter Stewitzis, which was like the alphabet sung by Big Bird. Bless you. And... <laughs> <laughs> but I still remember that song. I could still almost sing it to you right now. And uh, and that was my introduction to music. I don't think I really knew what music was until then. And then my other, I my dad had some 78s that I went through. And so he had like, I've got a lovely bunch of coconuts, which I <laughs> now have in digital form because I tracked it down. Of course. And, uh, and then uh, the other thing that I remember was Back in the day, like in a cereal, not a cereal box, in a potato chip box, mm-hmm. sometimes they'd put a record in there. Oh, yeah, cereal like, boxes. Like Jay's had, potato chips or cereal box or whatever. Yeah. And I had a Beatle, and, and this is where we tie into the Beatles, I had a Beatles single with a hole punched in it because, you know, it, wasn't, it yeah. was kind of non-legit. But they, they had uh, um, a Beatles single, and it was uh, Hello, Goodbye, and... Uh, um, 
I am the walrus. Backed, backed with I am the walrus. Very good. Very good, Mr. Music Historian. And Just yeah. like the actual 45. It was the 45. It was it was literally the 45. But it was, it was a cardboard cap- version. No, no, no. No, it was literally 40- a vinyl, vinyl capital 45 <laughs> that came really, inside wow. the box. And that was my other and I and I remember playing Hello, goodbye, constantly. Yeah. And I tried listening to I Am the Walrus, and I was just way too young <laughs> to understand what was going on in that song. Late, I'm, now I, it's maybe one of my favorite Beatles songs, but at the time I was like, I don't even, it's, what way is going over, on here? Yeah. What is this? <laughs> I, I do remember before then, they actually had a cereal box records where, but you, if I remember right, you had to cut them out of the box. They had so those so, when I was a little kid. And, too, and they yeah. were, there was a couple of monkeys ones, and, uh, I don't know if there was any Beatles ones because I don't know if they would have had the rights for that. But I do remember a, f- a couple monkeys uh, cut out records. Right. Kind of the, you know, what you get if you can't get the Beatles, you get the monkeys. Yeah. And another, uh, early, thinking about the early stuff, uh, another song I remember playing as a kid was uh, Shortening Bread by Paul Chaplin. And Paul Chaplin, it was a rock and roll. I remember and ro- playing that on guitar. It was, a, it was a rock and roll version of Mammy's Little Babies Want Shortening, Shortening. Yeah, yeah. But it was a rock and roll version with great guitar solo and everything. It was kind of like a rock and wow. rockabilly version by Paul Chaplin and his Emeralds, I believe. Uh, I still I, I still <laughs> have that 45. I don't think I've ever even heard of him. So yeah. Look it up on the YouTubes. Okay, yeah. <laughs> but, uh, it's, uh, I completely I, I, forgot about that song. I don't yeah. even know if that's like, is that, that's like a... We actually did that. Is it, uh, uh, <laughs> and it was on right. I don't, is it that something on? that should only be sung by African Americans now? Yeah. I, I don't even really know like how that. Oh, like, that seems like kind of a weird. No, um, I, well, from a weird era of American history, but yeah. I, I don't really know what the origin of that song is. But yeah, and uh, yeah, the the words are kind of kind of. Not evil, but <laughs> yeah, it seems like <laughs> it, my memory of it is that maybe it really wouldn't fly today. But. Probably not. The way everybody's so uptight about everything, it probably would not. But it, it was it was actually played on the radio. It was a. It I'm was sure a, it was done with the best of intentions. It made the WLS survey. Wow. Know, the, okay. It made the top forty in my house. It was in the top three, but uh, right, it was my number one for a few years. <laughs> And that would—it's funny when you're when you're little, you can play a song over and over. You you mentioned that, and I I probably would play that 26 times in a row till my older brothers would flip out and go, "If you play that one more time, I'm going to scalp you." Right, <laughs> right. Because my story of that is my sister playing uh, "Let's Go" by the Cars. Uh-huh. At, uh huh. At a now let's go by the now let's go by the routers. No, no, no. That no, was the let's original. go by the routers and and cut our fingers off. <laughs> uh, no, no, the uh, the uh, the cars, uh, you know that. Yep. And uh, she play, They put that on repeat on the stereo like for two hours, and I I was grounded because I had done something mm-hmm. I'm sure terribly wrong, and I just that was like the most torturous. It's like if I ever if there's a hell for if they if there's a personal <laughs> hell. That's I to this day I can't listen to that song. That's your Gary Larson far side version of hell. Pretty much, yeah. <laughs> Just put me in a room and play that song over and over and every four minutes or whatever, hear that down air. Yeah, let's chew my own arm off to get out of there. But uh, but I still I don't get I, I mean, I'm not sick of songs that I loved as a kid uh, uh, ones that I like California Sun by the Rivieras I used to play over and over. Oh, as that's a, a kid. great song. And and I hear it to this day I won't turn it off. And I, I've heard it. I have a lot. Well, the Ramones uh, did that too. Yeah, yeah, yeah. They they did it in 38 seconds I think. But yeah, I, well that's I, Ramones. I, 
I have a log. I think I've heard it 378,428 times. Uh, and if you listen guess, to it on the way home, you'll have to change I'll, the log when you get home. Yes, and that's <laughs> that's always a pain, but you got to do it. Yeah. So what was your first big concert? That, that had to be something great, phenomenal in the 60s. <laughs> yeah, I mean, because there was pretty much only phenomenal things happening, it at was, least as fo- so far as we know and remember. It was Mr. Green Jeans at the, uh, no, uh, you're going with that romper room tie-in again. This is going to be a recurring bit, isn't it? No, that's kept. This is kept, kept kangaroo. Oh, you're right. Mr. You're Green right. Jeans. Never mind. All right, yeah. I got my children's shows mixed up. Yeah. Well, who doesn't? Yeah. But uh, no, my uh, my older brothers took me to see the Rolling Stones in 1969, November 1969. I just turned 14. I was a freshman in high school. Now I see. I think that would change your life. And it was a Sunday night, so it was a school night. So my Brother, I think it was Mick, had to ask my parents if, if I could go with them because it was back then concerts uh, lasted a long time. I, yeah. I think we rolled in about 2.30 in the morning or something crazy <laughs> because there was – They just uh, blow right past yeah. any curfew hours yeah. or anything like that. Nobody gave a crap. And it was at the Wonder, Wonderful International Amphitheater, a place – Amphitheater, of course. Now a hole in the ground. Bu- built for concerts, as you can tell. No, you, you never you never saw a concert there, did you? I did not. I, I went to a dog show there it was, when I was a kid. It, was, it still was there. Even still then, standing. you probably noticed it was bad acoustics. It was no, it was a big. Ca- it was like a warehouse, basically. Yeah, and that's, it was just a giant warehouse that they built to show off cows. They used to have all the big acts used to come to this. Uh, that's where they would play in Chicago. And, I think there wasn't big it was horrible. I think sound. you had theaters or. You know, like the amphitheater. I mean, that was yeah. that, those were your choices. And if you if, if the band was too big for a theater, right, then they put them in there because they yeah, they didn't it, have giant rooms like it, they it held twenty thousand or whatever. Yeah. So it was it was three uh, three acts, and the first uh, first group was a, a singer named Terry Reed from, mm-hmm. from England. So that was the first person I ever saw I'm in my life. I'm impressed that you remember the opening. <laughs> and, and, well, Terry Reed was very good, actually. Yeah. I ended up getting a couple of his albums later. But there's a story about Terry Reed quickly, is that he was a singer with with, a, with one of those big voices, a high range and everything like that. Mm-hmm. And he was he was recru- he was was uh, asked by Jimmy Page if he would be interested in singing, being the singer in his new version of the Yardbirds. And, when, and Terry Reed turned him down. So then Jimmy Page hired a guy named Robert Plant. To front lines that point. Yep. And then Terry Reed was also asked after... Good uh, career move, Terry. <laughs> and then Deep Solid. Pur- then Deep Purple asked him to be their lead singer. When their original singer, uh, Rod Evans, uh, was either quit or fired, and uh, Terry Reed turned them down, and then he, they hired Ian Gillen, and, uh, you know, that's the smoke on the water guy, and that's the I gotta, I gotta. So Terry Reed turned down Deep Purple and Led Zeppelin. I, we got to get this guy on the phone. Well, is he still alive? Yeah, I want to find. I want to interview him and find out what he was thinking. Uh, I, what what I what think what he still big performs. thing was around the corner that he was holding. Oh, you know, well, I, I, I I don't. I'm not going to do this because I got something else happening that yeah. I know is just going to be bigger. Well, well, this was in '69, and so it was in '69 that I saw him, and he had he already had an album out on a major label, either Atco or Atlantic or something like that. Yeah, and uh, maybe he just and, thought and he he'd had, be a solo guy. Yeah, and it was the Terry Reed band. It was him. And and a bass player and drummer and they they were quite good actually and uh, but he he was one of those p- people that was more famous in England than here very few people probably remember him yeah I don't but, I don't know Terry so so anyway the second act after Terry Reed was a guy named Chuck Berry so the, well the, yeah the, the second person I ever see is Chuck Berry and then it was the Stones after that and, and I remember Chuck Berry coming out and and uh, he starts off with no particular place to go 
And uh, nice. what a great song. And he had the place going crazy. It, it seemed like, you know, I was very young, but I, he actually had a real band with him. He's famous for always just having a pickup band where right, he right. went, and they usually sounded like it. Yeah. Because he wouldn't, re, he refused to rehearse and, and all that. Well, he and got then, screwed yeah. around a lot, yeah. I think. But I, this, I mean, in his defense, I think he just reached a point where he was like, you want me to play, you, you do all the heavy lifting yeah. i'll show up with my guitar you hand me the money i'll go play that's it <laughs> and i <laughs> Not think playing it's, any games here yeah and i think in 69 he actually had a band a real backup band because they they sounded good and tight and, and, and nice yeah and now maybe maybe it was just a chicago band and they maybe they actually uh rehearsed for once i don't i've never well, heard chicago was kind of like i mean he's from st louis but yeah. chicago was kind of his home base i mean most of his recordings were yeah chess records yeah there. so yeah exactly um you know he may have had people that even if he didn't if, yeah. even if they weren't a band they were still people he played with a lot right and then the stones they back then they always had a they always took their time after chuck berry finished and by the time the Stones came on, it was a solid hour, possibly more. Yeah. And uh, well, you got to get you got to get Keith ready for the show. Yeah, he had to eat his shepherd's pie. <laughs> yeah, that's what they had. But uh, that was the first tour with Mick Taylor. That was right after. Oh, nice. That's right after Brian Jones died, and so that that was for a lot of people the the best version of the Stones anyway. Right. Or, at least live, I would say. Yeah, because he was kind yeah. of an impressive guitar player, oh, and, and not really much. like the their other. Oh, he was players. he was a lead guitar player. Yeah, and uh, more. They've never had that before or since. They kind of it changed their sound, but they, they had a lot of their classic albums were were released in his five year, ten year, five year, not, ten year. Yeah, not ten year, <laughs> not his ten year, five year. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, you know, I don't the, have to, the five years he was with the Stones. I don't have to spell it out for you. That's what's no, nice. that's and that probably but is sixty nine to. 74, I mean, if you're a Stones fan, right. I mean, that's probably that's a, the golden nugget right there. I pretty, mean, that's... Like some good years, yes. Yeah. So, that, yes, that was my first concert, and that was in November of 69. Seems like you got nowhere to go but down after that. <laughs> but it, but it, still, it still stayed well, because uh, uh, in February of 70, so just a couple months later, uh, once again, uh, one, one of my brothers uh, asked me to go to a concert with them, and this was at the Auditorium Theater. So the first time I... The I saw, opposite of the amphitheater yeah, as far one, as one sound most, quality. One of the most beautiful places to see a concert. Yeah. And the sound is tremendous. And it was The Doors with, <laughs> Jim, with Jim Morrison a year before he died. Right. And uh, their album Morrison Hotel... What would be the point of The Doors without Jim Morrison? Yeah, but they did tour I mean, as, know, a, as yeah, a trio. But... And I saw them once as a trio, too, in, at uh, uh, Milwaukee Summerfest. But that's another story. Oh, are we pausing for a commercial? No, no, no. I'm just, I, I thought you were going to say more. <laughs> oh, I, 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 I think I dumbfounded you with that statement. I, no, no, no. no, no, no you, do you want some encouragement? I, wow, Dan, that's fascinating. Continue, please. Go on, go on. Uh, yeah, I was trying to be respectful. Yes, yeah, so let's not. It the, doesn't come naturally to me. The, the three person doors. Uh, anyway, but the. the Screw uh, them, <laughs> all right? That's that's my lack of being respectful right. to them. Screw the three person doors. But when I saw the door, hung it up. The, it was one of the good nights with Jim Morrison because yeah. if you ever read about him or saw anything about him, he, yeah, sometimes he's, he's hit low. and miss. You just yeah. never know how loaded he's going to be. And, right. And uh, it was a good show that night. And he. Uh, they did a couple songs off Morrison Hotel, so and that album was just going to be released. So I had never heard that album yet. Mm -hmm. So they did a couple songs I wasn't familiar with, and then soon I realized, oh, those are the ones they did those at the concert. So that it was a very good show, though. Yeah, that's cool. 
See, so I always like the, hearing stuff at concerts that I've yeah. never heard yeah. or didn't expect to hear. So I, I being, uh, you know, I, since I didn't start seeing concerts till late 69, I missed out on a, a few good things, but I did manage to pack in some amazing things in, in a short Yeah, but I time. mean, yeah, <laughs> I mean, that's, that's, I mean, I didn't see the Stones until... Yesterday. Pre- yesterday, yeah. I saw them on TV. No, I, I didn't see the Stones live in person till like 2003 or something like that. Yeah, I mean, whatever that tour was, um, they came through Chicago and they played the United Center. And I wasn't even going to go to that, to be yeah. honest with you, because it's so, I don't want to sound like a, a cranky old man here. But it's expensive, you know. I mean, right. you, when, when you're trying to, you know, pay put gas in the car and pay the mortgage and everything else, it's like and United I think it cost me three hundred bucks to go to a show. You yeah. know, it's really, uh, you know, you think twice about it. But right. um, I saw the Stones' uh, bigger, bigger bang tour, so that was two thousand six or seven. I believe. okay, yeah, and that was at the United Center, and I will never go to a concert at the United Center again. It was horrible. Well, and, and, and it was, I was. I was seven hundred and seventy thousand feet up in the air. I mean, well, yeah, it was, and I guess I bought the. So tickets. You're paying to watch it on TV, basically, with a bunch <laughs> of noisy assholes sitting around. I, I bought the tickets ex- when they went on sale. I was, it wasn't a Ticketron, but what they call them, Ticketmaster, still. I think. Yeah. It was, yeah. It was actually oh, a, one of these <laughs> ticket services, was, these newfangled things. But it was at, at an actual record store that had the uh, rights to sell the tickets. Right. And, and I was, I was right you know, there. In they line. don't even have record stores I th- anymore. I think I was second in line. Oh no, that's that's another topic. That yeah, they, I they do know. <laughs> there's there's a resurgence, but uh, I, I was second in line for this. There was a second show added thing or something. Yeah, so I, I get to the show. I am in the last possible seat and the highest possible elevation. But I bought tickets right, so that this shows you that it's a, such a scam because all the good seats are taken by, by ticket uh, outlets. Uh, what do you call those scammers that sell them online? Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. the ticket, the ticket scammer guys, whatever yeah. they are. Yeah, yeah. Right. All the, the somehow they get they have the ends to get all the seats even before they're actually for sale. I think or something. Well, and that that's one of the reasons that at least in, you know ten years ago, not yeah. to turn it into a big complaint fest, but yeah, I mean. That's one of the reasons I don't go as often as I used to to like yeah. a big show. It's not just the money, but I kind of feel like I have to buy through one of those quote unquote services to get, to get a decent and, seat. And their yeah. only contribution to the process is that they jumped in line ahead of me. That's that's basic. It's like if I stand in front of you and I get the last ticket, and then I turn around and sell you the last ticket, uh, you know, for an extra two hundred dollars. That's like I've performed a service for you, and I, I, I that just really ticks me off. It's like, I don't want them to have my money. I, I don't like that idea. I know. <laughs> you know, yeah. even if it's somebody I love, I just have a hard time getting past that. And a band that I still love, like the Stones, if they do come, it's going to be Soldier Field or United Center. Right. And those places, like the Stones are coming the, in June. Yeah, yes, yeah. and those places are awful to see a show, I think. Yeah. I, I, maybe it's because I'm too old to sit there on a on a bench for nine hours, but well, you know, <laughs> but, I mean, I don't mind doing it. I guess if it, if I get the well, ticket, you know, you're only twenty six. Yeah, I'm only I'm only fifteen. Remember, <laughs> but I, I, it's more, it's not the best. Like I go to see shows now um, at Space in mm-hmm. Evanston, right, or City Winery, places like that, yep. um, Lincoln Hall, and. You go in there, and you know they're not the big name people, but there's some really good people that play at these places. Sure, Fitzgeralds and Berwyn, and uh, Park West. Yeah, yeah. And, and you go in there, and you know there's like 
you know, a thousand people in the room At the or, or, or 600 yeah. <laughs> or whatever, you know, you can actually hear, you can see the performer, like you could actually see them, not just as a right. dot, like uh, with a, with a big, you know, magnified version of them on a screen, but you actually see the person, you can hear them playing their instrument. The Arcada or yeah. do you say Arcada in St. Charles, that little theater? Sure, try and be the, a little more pompous. The, the, the Paramount and Aurora. The, yeah, all those Wonderful places. places. So, yeah. yeah, I mean, I'm, I'm in going to see shows at places like that now. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, the United Center, it's got to be somebody I really, really desperately want to see. Yeah, like John Davidson gonna... or something like that. Right, yeah. Or, uh, yeah, I don't I'm trying to think of somebody <laughs> less cool than John <laughs> Davidson. Yeah, I almost said Sonny Bono. But I, was, I was just thinking of who was on Love American Style, you know. Right. But uh, most of those people are not alive. So. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Even the people we want to make fun of aren't alive anymore. <laughs> That's the sad part. Did you watch Love American Style? I did. I was old enough, but I wasn't allowed to watch it all the time because some of the content was for mature viewers. So I remember my mom kind of being like sometimes she'd let me watch it and sometimes she wouldn't or she'd see what was on the previews mm-hmm. coming up and go yeah you're not you're not watching this. Well, everybody I'm sure cuz you know somebody made a boob reference yeah something like that and, and, all, and all the how ma- hard, how hardcore could it have been yeah it's channel 7 on yeah it. yeah exactly and all the male actors had huge sideburns cuz the show was in the 70s and so when buddy hackett or somebody like that would be on it they would have these Big old sideburns that they yeah, but not the mutton chops, just the big like the, like the, like short, but going little, down the face. Yeah, sometimes kind of like the opposite of what you're sporting right now, because you've got everything but the sideburns. Yes, well, I do have some, but I'm, my headphones are okay. Well, in the good because the, they disturb me now. <laughs> they do. <laughs> can't, can't look at sideburns anymore. I, I bought some visual aids. Too many PTSD. P- I bought some visual aids because when you're doing a an audio. Yeah, I was going to say, better, that's right? a great idea. Uh, I saw you come in with a bag. I didn't really know yeah. what the... I, I asked you if you should leave it in the living room. You said no. <laughs> like, okay. Uh, well, yeah, it's not an It's a bright orange header. bag, so that's great. Let's see if the microphone can pick that, the rustling. Well, you know I'm a, r- a record it's a, collector. It's a, yes, it's I'm a an big LP. Record, I'm a big record LPs. collector, as yeah. you know, right? Mm-hmm. Well, you're not that big. Well, I have a lot With of... Five, six, five, eight. Uh, five nine on a good day. Five nine. Okay. On, yeah, if I get enough sleep. Right. But uh, on the yeah, rack. No, I've been collecting albums and forty fives for forever. Yeah, me I, too. I th- I've I got a bunch downstairs. Do I don't have a turntable hooked up <laughs> right now, but I, I have do have albums. probably four or five hundred albums. Oh, I have like thirty seven albums. Thirty wow. seven. So. Yes. I wow. Honest. Thirty seven. Two that digits I, that I bought yesterday. Yeah. Okay. Probably near four thousand. All right, let's. So what do you got? So for I brought me a, here? I brought a couple albums. This is Jen's record collection. Yeah, all right. Like Dave this Letterman is our new segment. Do. So this won't be funny because one off show, but yeah, this will be awful because you can't see anything. Right. What's well, yeah. theater of the mime? I'm gonna. Mime. I'm gonna. Uh, who's the Cubs announcer? Uh, Pat Hughes. Uh, yes. You know he loves to describe the uniforms. Right. Of the teams. Uh, in their bright blue caps. So he's, he's like, I, a, he's that, like a throwback is, to older radio. Right. I'm gonna was, I'm gonna do that. So uh, this right. is a, a, a dark uh, covered with right. uh, some 1970s looking font on it and a bunch of uh, faces. Who, what does that say? Going around in a circle. Uh, Chameleon, Chameleon Church. 
Chame- it's chameleon. Chameleon. Oh, yeah. Well, well, it's, yeah, well it's, it's got the AE thing in it. Yeah, I, I don't, you know, I've like never. Encyclopedia Britannica. I've never heard anybody in the band pronounce their I name. I would call it Chameleon Church, but yeah, it's I'm spelled reading like, it. It's and spelled like Chameleon. I, I haven't heard of the band. But I think it's Chameleon Church. I mean, I don't. How That's would I fair. It's, uh, it if anybody from Chameleon Church wants to call in, our number is. What is our number? It's we seven? don't have a number. I don't have a number yet. Okay. This isn't live. But it's on a. It's on a <laughs> We're going to do this for 10 hours. Oh, boy. And, and uh, I'm going to use the best 20 minutes. <laughs> so this part's probably not going to be in it. All right. Chameleon Church. It yeah. was released in 1968 on MGM Records. So it's an official. Okay. It's in stereo because it's got a big stereo logo on right. the front. Nice shape. All right. Well, I'll, I'll be the judge. There's of the that. back. You can see there's four people. Yeah. They look a lot, beat- they look very beatily. Yes. As everybody did back in the 60s. They were all trying to surf that. Now let's get to the reason why I brought this, because okay. you still don't have a clue, do you? Uh, no, nor a turntable even, to even play by, Even by looking at the members' faces, you no clue, right? Um, well, I think one of them is Chevy Chase. <laughs> How do you do a drum roll? <laughs> well, that would hurt. <laughs> that, well, no, that, that worked, I guess. Kinda. Chameleon Church. Todd Myers, vocal and guitar. Tony something or other, vocals and guitar and harpsichord. Harpsichord, yes. Kyle Garahan. from the 60s. <laughs> Kyle Garahan on vocals and electric bass. And Chevy Chase, vocals it and... It is Chevy Chase. Chevy Chase. Vo- I, I was kidding. <laughs> yeah, Chevy Chase, vocals and drums. I was kidding. I so, didn't think that that was Chevy Chase. I 19- just thought it was a guy that kind of looked like Chevy Chase or Jim Morrison. So in 1968, he was in a band that actually... Put an album out on a major label, and he was the drummer. But the guy that I pointed at isn't che- is because he's not holding the drumsticks, or is he? I think he might be. No, I think it's the other guy that's holding the drumsticks. Well, maybe that maybe was... he's handing them to Chevy Chase. He's kind of holding them in oh, the air. Oh, I see what you're saying. I think yeah. I think that's the joke. Oh, and you know what? He's holding like a light, like a oh, it's a light, a saber, you know, or something. a lightsaber. <laughs> yeah, 1968. <laughs> now we know. Lucas got the idea. It almost looks like that, though, doesn't it? It kind of does. Yeah, yeah. It looks like he's going to cut the other guy's head off. How about you people out there? What do you think? Uh, <laughs> maybe we'll post a photo of this on the website. You people can yeah, judge for themselves. Let's play a song from this, we'll shall scan we? scan it, yeah, yeah. Ready? Sure. It, oh, you don't have a turntable. We'll, do, we'll, just, we'll just pretend like we dropped it in. Well, I think it's on YouTube. Yeah. So Chameleon it's on Church, YouTube. What, right. Is there a song you recommend off of this thing? Not a single Have you ever thing. listened to it even? Yes. Did you just buy it because Chevy Chase uh, is I, on? I struggled through it once, yes. Okay, and, and, uh, and it's not good? It's um, it's horrible. No, okay, it's, it, no, that's it's, fair. <laughs> I mean, no, it's it's uh, I would call it a kind of pop psych from 1968. Well, that's uh, about the era. <laughs> that's what I'd guess. Ex- that's what I'd expect. Kind, kind of, but kind of more light rock, like the association. Light rock, but, not too but, interesting, but also not little, too entertaining. But also with some psychedelic twinge and touches to it. So okay, it's um, yeah, it's not good, but. Uh, <laughs> But I sorry, I'm, Chevy. Uh, good thing you went on to a better career. Well, that, you elsewhere. notice he never really bragged about it too much. You, you no, know. no. But see, as a collector, it's the kind of thing I have to own. It's just the way yeah. It I that's why I'm not a collector, I guess, because yeah. I don't want to have to own things like should, that. Should I hold it up for the camera? Yeah, yeah. There's no camera. Oh, I'm re- I'm, I'm holding it up anyway. I'm memorizing it with my eyeballs. This segment should be edited, by the way. Yeah, yeah. This has already been cut out. I turned off the recorder about eight minutes ago. All right, next we have... Yeah, Carp. Carp. The band Carp. Spelled the same which, way. Yeah, which is, uh, you know, lends itself yes. to bad reviews. 
And this if is, you're naming your band Carp, and and you, as you could tell, if you're a record collector at all, you can tell. I oh, have this a, is a re, this a is a promo. radio station promo version because promo it's got copy suggested yes. cuts. Yes. Now, now I'm gonna I'm just gonna hold this. Well, I, can I, can I touch it? Well, I guess. Right. From I'll, a I'll be gentle. <laughs> all right, but don't read it. I'm not. Well, all right. Because all right, it's going to give I just it away. wanted to point out the fact that it's got suggested cuts on it, right? And, but, and each but, cut has a box next to it, so you would, in theory, I guess, check, check the checkbox of the yes. suggested cuts. Right. None of the boxes are checked. No, that means it's worth more because no one, or either no one liked it. <laughs> On the station, or I yeah, have, we suggest you don't play this song or my, any of these songs. That's how pristine my version is. All right, now okay, here's, so here's so the, somebody at the radio station would have done that. Is that yes? I would say so. A, a DJ would. Okay, see, I would th- I would have thought that the record company would say we're trying to push. Yeah, the second that maybe there's that too because some, sometimes whatever. sometimes yeah. promo copies would have kind of like a sticker saying suggested cuts for airplay. Yeah, or they or they have like a sticker yeah. on it that said featuring the big hit. Right. Blah, blah, blah. And, of course, it wasn't a song that anybody heard of because they were more anticipatory about trying to make it a big hit. Yeah, whatever that word means, yes. Yeah. But um, that was on my word of the day toilet paper today. Ambulatory, you said? Anticipatory. Oh, what's ambulatory mean? Um, Waiting for an ambulance? Portable. Oh, okay. Yeah. Waiting for, all right. But anyway. (laughs) It's thesaurus talk. Here's the back of the album. Now. Look at the people's faces. See, I'm looking see, at the people's see, faces. See, last time you somebody jumped out of you. Let's see if this happens again. Wait, have I seen this album before? Never. Have you done this before? No. Oh, in the last album, you mean like a minute ago? Yes. All right, I already cut that part out of Thank my God. brain and the recording. Um, Take your time. We have all year. Uh, no, nobody jumping out. Is nobody's it? jumping out at me. That's because nobody's a celebrity on this one. Okay, no, good. No, I'm kidding. All right. Well, thank God. <laughs> no, I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. Uh, so who is this it? gentleman right here? John Davidson. <laughs> that, that looks like John Davidson. I here? don't know. I don't know who that looks like. All right. Well, this I just threw out a name. This, this is another album that came out in the. Uh, um, uh, in let me see. I think this album is '67 or. You need my glasses. Uh, anyway. Carp. It's old enough they, that they didn't invent copyrights yet. Carp was formed in Carp. the spring of 1966 by four Oklahoma State University students. Okay, looking so they're to pick, intellectuals looking to pick up some extra money. Yeah, <laughs> Gary Busey on drums. Gary Busey. Oh, that is Gary Busey. Yep. He's uh, you know, he he's a little um, heavier and less. Uh, skinny, Less scary uh, looking than I, I normally, but I can see it in the face now. I can see the nose, right? And the, it's got and that the te- Gary Busey vibe, right? Yeah, pre uh, pre maniacal Gary. Busey. Yeah, pre motorcycle accident, pre yeah. yeah okay, but anyway, if you now because I normally think of him as like a tall, thin, gawky, like almost frightening. Human now, being. now, now, now I, I can touch. Now, it. let you look right. at. But look, notice that he. Uh, he has his hand on a lot of the writing of the songs as well. Oh, really? He wrote, the, he wrote a lot of words. Right. It says words, Which music. means lyrics, right? Right, yeah, that's what I would think it is. <laughs> yes. Wow. I think he wrote, he wrote the words for all the songs. Right, but actually. he was just a drummer, according to that, well, and, and, and one know, of the singers. And drummers can speak English. True. Sometimes. Yes. Wow. All right, Gary Busey and his band Carp. Was that a one-hit? A hit? <laughs> was there a hit? Uh, you know what I say on? about one hit wonders? They have one hit more than I do. And it's on Epic Records. Epic Records. So that's a major right. label. Yeah. Name name another great artist on Epic Records. Go ahead. I'll, I'll test I, you, test I, your waters. I don't know. 
<laughs> I don't know. Well, uh, do, do, am I supposed to memorize the record companies uh, uh, of people I like? The Yardbirds. I know that there Jeff are... Jeff Beck, Dave Clark Five, all epic. Okay, they, they were epic, dude. <laughs> They're epic artists. On epic I artists. didn't... I, I yeah. know there was an era, like in that... What's that John... Uh, Cle- uh, John Cleese... Uh, <laughs> John Cusack movie? High Fidelity, yeah. Yes. High Infidelity was an REO Speedwagon album. Yeah, that um, you don't own, I hope. I, I don't. Uh, Thank you. John, uh, John, that High Fidelity, where they all talk about, you know, they all know the record label yes. of everything. But I don't, and, and I think... Uh, that's a collector. That's, that's Yeah, I but I'm not, yeah, I don't, I don't, yeah. I don't really know. <laughs> what color, what color is Epic Record Label? Take a wild the, stab. You mean the the actual sticker that's on the vinyl inside the little yes. the, the actual label? The, lab, the label yes. Uh, blue, almost, almost blue. Yes, Elvis Costello. It's, it's, no, See, it's, I do know something about music. Um, <laughs> not a complete imbecile here. Green and this color make blue, and if you had a bunch of Play-Doh right now, <laughs> green. And this color, make, nothing makes blue. Oh, you're right. I'm, I'm, blue is a primary color. You can't make it. You have to have it. All right. That, that blue was, makes other things. That was wrong anyway. Yeah. <laughs> Clearly. Red. Blue and yellow make green. Red Red and this color make orange. Uh, yellow. There you go. Yes. So it was yellow. Epic Records was yellow, yes. Okay. And, All right. Oh, well, that's good to know. Are you wondering how carp I'm gonna, was? I'm going to use that later today for something. All right, now mix these. Mix yeah, the, it's, it spells crap if you mix up yes, which is letters. Which is the one word uh, review of this album. Well, see, that the, did I not say when you pulled that out? I said that lends itself to a very bad reviews. Uh, that was a long time ago. You, you, should never, you should never name somebody something that hands them... The, the automatic the response. automatic like like that they're gonna think is a clever way to rip your your product yeah. like never use a name that that hands them the insult. you would never call your band this t h i s because as soon as you squirrel the squirm the record the letters around what do you come up with oh shit but well, yeah you don't have to swear but yeah well yeah. I that's how we get our uh, our uh, our thing on iTunes where we have to be 18 or older to listen now. So thanks for that. Now oh, I, you, you have to I swear have to at least go once? And, yeah, or, or I have to go and bleep it out if I want children to listen now. Oh, Because okay. I said shit. Oh, so, and you also said carp. I did say carp, but I don't think there's anything wrong with carp. I don't think Until you play it. Explicit, <laughs> yeah. And that one's not going to get played. Well, Are I the mean, lyrics good? I mean, did Gary do okay? Well, uh, he, he seems strangely poetic. Well, there's one song called The Firehouse Dog. Doug? Or the, dog? Dog. The dog. Firehouse oh, Dog. Fire, fire, I thought Firehouse Dog was a guy who hangs out at the bar. And and he, he wrote the... Well, he did. You're right. He did write the words for every song. And uh, I know. I just read that. Jesus is the Mountain is another one. Jesus is the Mountain. Sure. That sounds like it's got a lot of promise. And Drink to the Queen of May. Of the May. The May. What's the May? Like a the ship? May, I think that's like the... the a boat? Lo- like the opposite of the harvest. Oh, to the May. Yeah, yeah. Like, you know, in, in the, when you sow the seeds. Yeah. You have the May Queen, you know. I don't really hang out at Renaissance fairs that much, so anymore? I don't really know and anymore, right. All right, Den now has pulled out a banana. And some and M&Ms. And a small packet of M&Ms. Just in case a I A fun-sized get... package of M&Ms. Just in case I start getting a little squirrely or a little dizzy. You've been squirrely since you sat down. I don't really know... <laughs> What to do with you? You're kind of throwing me off here. All right, so, well, that, that's all the visual aids. So I have. now we have potassium and sugar, on, and it's literally on the table. 
Well, yeah, obviously. All right. <laughs> and your bottled water. Apparently, Den doesn't want me to feed him. First thing he said when I he came in anything. is, we're not going to get lunch. <laughs> yes. And then uh, and, no. and I offered him water. and From uh, the tap. From the t- well, no, I ha- I could have given you bottled water. Okay, I just fill the bottle from the tap. How is the sewage system in Oakland? It's excellent. We have the top as of the line you- sewage system. It's completely separate from the drinking water system. Oh, as it should be. Yeah, yeah. Unlike you know some of the cities in Michigan. See, the Romans did do something good. Yep, they gave us the sanitation. The hands <laughs> are safe at night. <laughs> Let's do a whole life of Brian. Yeah, yeah, I, yeah, yeah. Life of Brian. So what? So so what? When you got into your first now, getting back to the music thing, because we've been just digressing talking about these about music, yeah, about music, okay, <laughs> or alleged music. Um, the the what was your first band? How'd you get into a band? You you were a drummer, right? Well, my friend Tom. Chester, I know he was a guitarist. I yeah. should say for people who don't know that, but well, you my were friend, a drummer. My friend Tom Chesco and I did a. We formed a band when we were about ten years old called the New Sounds. And we we uh, named it, but then we realized we didn't know we didn't know how to play anything yet. So, yeah, so that's we, often that's the Wayne's World problem. We but we are the new sounds, and we we even would draw like posters of of us and excuse me, not be, Wayne's World. What's the other one? Um. Uh, you lost me. <laughs> I'm not listening. Well, to with you. Keanu Reeves. Oh, that was um, uh, the Matrix. Yeah, yeah, it's the Matrix problem. That's what I was going for. Yeah. All right. Anyway, go ahead. Uh, you, the you new lost. sounds you didn't know how to play. My train any of thought just went off the rails. <laughs> You're welcome. So, the, so I'm the an new, expert interviewer. The new sounds doesn't really count, I guess, but it, but it only it only counts because Tom and I would write the new sounds everywhere we went. We'd write it on. But train. ironically, you had no sounds <laughs> or no. It wasn't really a band new or otherwise. <laughs> yeah. So and then and then we then we then we changed it to early bird and the worms. Uh, and we, but we. Still, I actually kind of like that. Really, I like the I new. I can't songs. believe you never came back to. Yeah, but the new song. There had to be a hundred bands. Yeah, exactly. It was sounds. it was perfect for 1965 yeah. though. <laughs> the new sounds. Yeah, but I I even would write uh, titles of songs like the new sounds twist or something. You know, so right because you had to in have case a record a, came out. We, right. we had, you had to, to have it. a song that had your own name in it. <laughs> yes, yeah, as they did somewhere. back then. Yeah, yeah, and so and a dance song. <laughs> Yes. Well, everybody had a twist song at some point yeah. in, in the '60s. It was just part of the deal, you, right? You had to, right? But uh, yeah, early bird and the worms never took off either because we still didn't know. Well, we didn't know how to sing either, and we had uh, no instrumental no ability. Right. So, so uh, Bill and Ted, by the way. Fa- fast forward. Oh, weekend is <laughs> Bernie's throwhead throwback. Oh, <laughs> yeah. All right. Anyway, go ahead. I don't think I've ever saw that from beginning to end. Well, you should. It's I, I, I always watched it in the reverse. Yeah, end to beginning. So you. Uh, so what was the next phase oh, yeah. of your musical career? Yeah, so the, the actual ones where there was actual notes and music coming out of amplifiers and drums was uh, Telgarden. Telgarden. Telgarden, one word. T-E-L-G-A-R-D-E-N. You, you would think so. It was... You know, <laughs> But being yeah, uh, I did think this, so. But well, this is 1969. We fast forwarded to 1969. I'm, I actually know how to play drums. I actually have a drum set, right? And, and this was the first band I was Ludwig. ever in. It was a uh, Kent, okay, uh, where, which I think were made from Sears. Actually, I think they were Sears drums. All right, look, look it up. Do they have had time? some real. Do you have time? I'll wait. Back then, did you look it up yet? No, but, but I think I have a computer in front of me. I'm not using it. But Kent might have been 
made by Sears, but they were they were popular because they were like the PV of the day, where it was inexpensive but but good enough to use. Right. Okay. Unless you played. Live. Well, they, the Sears sold Dan Electro guitars back then. I know, and, and those were like those are like worth a lot of money now. I know. I I don't own one myself. I wish I did. I actually do. Do you? Yeah, I own a bass. I'll tell you a story about that. I don't know if we have time. If we can digress. My my Dan Electro bass has a a pull chain tone control that somebody wired in, probably some hippie back in the 60s -hmm. or 70s, wired in this thing. And so it's like from a lamp. And when you pull the chain, it's like the little chain like you'd you'd use to turn on a light bulb. When you pull it, it changes like to four different Tones? tones. Yeah. And I and I asked a guy who did, did was writing a book. It came well, it came to me that way. Right. And so, I, I I sent a note, an email a few years back to a guy who's writing a book on Dan Electros or wrote a book on Dan Electros, and he said that it wasn't original, right. but it was uh, it was one of the coolest mods he'd ever seen. And he's got a new book coming out next summer, twenty nineteen. And, 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 and my my base is going to be in it because he was. <laughs> He was like, can I get some high-quality pictures of that? And I sent them to him. So I guess there's a section on mods. And Anyway, so. I wonder if there'll be a section on Chameleon Church. One can only hope. So uh, so Kent drums, and now you can play. Yeah, so I, I joined this band. They, they were all older than me. I was I was uh, 13, and I was in eighth grade. And uh, they were much older. They were like 14 and 15. And the oldest guy, Carrie, the guitar player, was... A senior, I think he was seventeen. Oh yeah, senior. yeah. So there's surprised he senior, hung out with a thirteen year old. Senior, senior. Yeah, that's a tough thing in high school. Yeah, but I was this, I was the drummer, and I was good you enough. Must have been good, good yeah. enough, or you know, good enough <laughs> for this for the stuff we were doing. Uh, they came up with a name. I, I can't remember uh, one of them did, and and, uh, and the spelling back then you couldn't spell the name normal, so so it was T E L G A R D Y N. So we were. Like wild stallions, yeah. So Telgard, the not, Y, yeah. All right. So, so now you know that Leonard Skinner actually actually robbed. T- they took that idea from us, and right? We yeah. never did. We never did sue. Yeah. Was, well, you yeah. know, it's probably too late now. The fact they were from Gainesville, Florida, and we were New Lenox, Illinois. I don't. Right, and didn't know uh, who you were. There's that. Yeah, <laughs> but. Maybe, maybe, maybe Leonard Skynard. Maybe one of their roadies, uh, you know, lived in Joliet for a while. Or Could something. be. That's um, there's always that possibility. Joliet seems like a city that's probably produced its share of roadies. Yeah, it's a hub. Yeah, but uh, so Tell Garden was one word, and uh, and uh, had the Y in there, and sometimes Y. Uh huh. And it was a we we, we were. Did you guys get gigs? Yes, which is the the first gig we played at was at the Mantino Mental Hospital. There's no punchline. Okay, that's. <laughs> no. I don't no. even think that's there anymore because I don't think they really do things no, quite uh, that uh, way anymore. But no, well now it's now it's actually that's it's now the veterans' home and that that's where okay. my, that's where my dad resides now. Oh, but, okay. But back then it was the um, exactly it was actually the largest mental hospital in the country, probably one of the largest in the world. It's huge. Buildings upon buildings. Yeah, I've been kids. past it. And it was, but it was actually called the the man. Well, they used to call it the nut house. You know, this, yeah, they don't was, call it that anymore. I don't either. think so. Yeah, but no. it was actually called the Mantino Mental Facility or something like that. I kind of remember people saying, "Oh, yeah, anyway, we we you played go out to Mantino. We, or we played whatever. we yeah. played a party for one of the uh, groups, uh, and it, it was for 
uh, this guy that knew some other guy, blah, 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 saw us at practice and he said, hey, I have this party for where I work if you'd like to play it. And the party turned out to be the Mantino Mental Hospital. And we were, and we played oh, hey, for, it's a gig, man. A gig's played, a gig. <laughs> we played for some of the patients in, in like a bus garage. They, Did they enjoy they, it? They cleared it. Oh, it's, sure, sure. Well, I, good. From what I could tell. Yeah. Yes, yeah. I'm not and, saying anything about the patients. I'm just saying no. that I don't know how good the band was or how, you know. Well, you know. We're... <laughs> Um, First gigs are always a little iffy. There's no recorded evidence of this band, so uh, that I know of. Okay, so you didn't even really need to like claim to it at all. And we didn't have a PA system. The, the singer Jim—that's usually a good sign. The, the singer Jim plugged his plugged his microphone into a Fender Champ amp. I was going to say guitar amp. Yeah. yeah, a Fender Champ amp, which just was a everything sounds like that. It was one yeah. speaker, but he had it on a chair, so it projected. Right. And, <laughs> Those were the good old days. I think he put a microphone in front of it too, but that that microphone wasn't plugged in anything. So <laughs> I was, was going to say, what what are you putting the microphone? What is what is that going well, to? So it projects no more. PA. So it projects well, microphones more. Microphones don't project all on their own. Well, we didn't know that <laughs> at age. Plug them into something. We didn't know that in 1969 <laughs> at age 14. That's hilarious. But uh, it worked. Yeah, I guess. All right. And you got? Did you get paid? Uh, not as such. Uh, All right. Well, no, that's cool. You know, sometimes your first gig. My first gig was at a park district pool party. Oh, yeah. Like playing like 20 feet from the swimming pool, mm-hmm. which is a great place to lay down a bunch of electrical cables. Oh, sure. And uh, and my base, uh, no, our, our PA head, no, 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 my base head blew up halfway through the show because I had bought this ancient used bass guitar amplifier uh-huh. and it blew up halfway through the show and then I had to plug into the PA. We did actually have a PA. So I played bass through the PA for the rest of the night. Nice. And that was, yeah, that was... Because bass threw us through a small And there are photos PA. of that. There's no recordings, but there are photos of that gig floating around somewhere. I, I have one photo of the of the Telgarden gig at the, at the Mantino mental health facility one one photo that still lives to this day oh that's and, nice and we did things like born to be wild and uh, magic carpet ride and and uh, bad moon rising and was a was a new song at the time the credence we did that all the big hits of the day yeah we did sunshine of your love we, and cool stuff that we thought was cool well that is not, pretty not, cool not, that's not, still pretty cool yeah, i mean yeah most of those songs i think we I, we did a version of uh of Hey Joe, the, the the Hendrix version of Hey Joe, right? We did a, I think, which we, is the only version now. I, I mean, that's, that's the only way you do it now is the Hendrix style. Yeah, the slow way. Yeah, but actually, my favorite way is the uh, is the version by the Leaves. You ever hear of Hey Joe by the Leaves? It no, was, I don't think it's so. It's about a year before the Hendrix version. It was actually on the radio. It's very fast. It's like so. It's probably sixty six and it, maybe even sixty five, and it it sounds like punk rock before there was punk rock. It's Great, great version. Well, there was, uh, you know, there was a glimmerings of punk rock. Hey, Joe by the Leaves. Hey, Joe by the Leaves. Let's play it right now, Look that up uh, on the tubes. Let's listen. Yeah. Okay. (laughs) Yeah, that was great. (laughs) We'll just insert that in there. Yeah. No, you know what? I would love to to be able to play music on a show like this. I would love it. But, Mm -hmm. you know, you get into this weird copyright issue, and it's just, it's crazy. Because then, you know, I was I actually looked up how to do it. Some people just do it. (laughs) I know, but but if you want to do it and, like, be real, and, you know, like, maybe someday, uh, God willing, (laughs) sell sell advertising, or, you know, I mean, somehow actually, like, turn it into a real thing, you have to get into this whole world where you're, 
you know, you need you, the rights. You need the rights, and then you have, have to I pay the right. like by by the the assumed number of downloads because it's essentially like you're selling the yeah. record. That's how they look at it. It's like you're actually making a downloadable version of the record available, and they, it's it's just yeah. Someday they may get this worked out so we could actually play music because that would be great. I would have a small band. Is on hand right here. A small band. Yeah, very it, small because this room is like ten feet by twelve feet. Well, it could be a cocktail drum set and a small. I was Fender thinking small amp. people. Oh, that too. Yeah. But uh, small instruments. <laughs> and, and no, I don't you, think you could fit a whole band. You could have in the here. songs worked out beforehand. So when we refer to carp, they could, right? They, they could, could play, play a play, carp play song. one of their favorite carp songs. And when I, I think it might be cheaper just to pay for the download. <laughs> and when I play, when I mention "Hey Joe" by the Leaves, they could do a thirty right. seconds of it. Yeah, of their interpretation. Right, right. Maybe even side two of Chameleon Church if there's time. You know. Yeah, that'd be great. I think that's. <laughs> I, th- I think you. I think that may be our next uh, that's series good. of podcasts. Is uh, all right. Just playing album sides from bands nobody's ever heard of. Right. That's that's a way to get in. I, I think. <laughs> No one's doing it, that. You know, exactly. You have to find a niche. I mean, there's a million interview shows out there. I have a niche there. right here. Oh. Yeah. An, an, an niche. Oh, a ni- uh, niche. niche. Not niche. an niche. Yeah. Oh, I get it. So, uh, But there's sure. a million interview shows, but nobody's playing album sides of bands you've never heard of. I think that's, that's, a, that's my future. I think you've just described my direction in life. So what's next what? in your musical world? Were you talking to me? Yeah. <laughs> Still? Yeah. yeah. Uh, well, Telgarden lasted for six months, and I wrote a book about it, yet to be published. All right. You should do that. Now that you're retired. Well, I did do it. but <laughs> No, I mean, you should publish it. Well, I'd have to you finance it that. myself if I had to do well, that. Well, you know, you got money. You're rich. <laughs> I got money. <laughs> but Get a reverse mortgage on the house. It's just funny because the, the uh, time frame of the uh, ban is from April Fool's Day, 1969, and then the, band, the last gig the band did was Halloween of 1969 and so basically april 1st to november 1st and it's so that's only six months time frame six months and in that six months from seven months well who's counting (laughs) it's it's six if you if you april may june july august september 30 days october minus one is six yeah plus so it's a six-month time frame that the band existed and yet they went down in history as legends well, no, no. What, what else? What else? Where were you going with this? So much happened in that small time frame in the world. You don't. We did a little thing like walking on the moon in July of 1969, right? Which uh, the police wrote a song about, right? And and then there was Woodstock, which was in August of '69. Yeah. Uh, uh, the my, Cubs almost went to the World Series. Yeah, with that they were they were they're kicking butt all year until September first when they decided, you know, let's they just, decided the Mets needed a turn because they had waited long enough. This is we did well for a long time. That's good enough. Yeah, yeah, that that kind of broke my heart. But that, so, in a nutshell, that, that that's I incorporated that in my book about how how, the, how these other things happened that were that were pretty amazing in such a short amount of time. So there. Well, that's great. I I think it, I I want to read this book. Well, I can't find it. <laughs> Are you sure you wrote a book? I think I did. I'm pretty sure I did. Did you uh did you 
It's on. Write a, it digitally, or what did you? Is it scrawled on a piece of paper a, somewhere? I, well, I, I wrote it on a CD, and I, luckily I know how to print. You wrote really, it on a CD. I know how to print really small. So yeah, apparently. <laughs> no, it is. I do have it on a CD. Okay, so you do. So there is a digital copy of it somewhere. Is that what that means? Okay. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> I always because I've known people in the last few years who have written books by hand, and I'm astounded by that because I can barely write my name by hand. Oh. I, I, I mean, thought, I'm so terrible nowadays. I thought I, I'm Stephen, so out of path. I thought practice. Stephen King still does it like that. Does I mean, he? At least I thought he did. Maybe I guess I'm if you're, maybe, you maybe he does it. Maybe maybe uses an old typewriter. I so, was born something for retro. the era when you ha- when you can edit things. I gotta edit as I write. I, 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 I'm I, always I, changing stuff. I, 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 this. I don't understand how people wrote in longhand and then just hand handed it in like Jack Kerouac did a on the road and he wrote it. In a, in a scroll. Yeah, it was a scroll. It was actually a typewriter. But yeah, oh, yeah, it was a typewriter. But he ran it through the typewriter as a giant scroll. Yeah. That's right. And it, like, how do you do that? And then know what you wanted to say. I know. Not have forgotten something. Oh, I was going to add in a section where the guy goes to kill the other guy. No, whatever. I, you know, I mean, I do a one paragraph email and I edit it 28 times. Yeah. And, and so, yeah, I was born for the digital age as far as that's concerned. I don't know where I was born. Yeah. Joliet. <laughs> Were you born in the prison? Were you a prison baby? It's okay, man. I'm not here to judge. No, you hosp- or your mom. I was a hospital baby. Okay. All right. Which is I age. think I was too, but I don't really know. Really? Yeah. What uh You okay? You losing interest? <laughs> <laughs> so, so We've gone an hour, so Well, I need a banana. You can eat the banana. So are we gonna do a a, a gig? Because you and I have uh, jumping forward about a dozen years now, mm-hmm. um, we, we've been talking about playing some ukuleles together, or maybe forming another band at some point. Well, well speaking Is of that, going to happen? What what year was your first band? I don't think you said that because mine was. I didn't. We're talking to you. Really? Uh, my my first band was uh, the first band that I ever was in was uh, mid eighties. I don't know what year it was. I was probably. Mid eighties, eighty four, eighty five, something like that. Or eighty six would still be mid eighties. Yeah, but it was. But I'm trying to think of how old I must have been at the time. And uh, I, I told you my first gig was at uh, Bridgeview Park District Pool Party, Bridgeview, Illinois. And now you're handing me uh, Bob and Bob disc. Mm-hmm. See, you were way ahead of me on all this stuff. You, you had, you had, yeah. you had band logos before you had a band. Right. Before. You had. Uh, <laughs> But you were night- playing instruments before you had a gig. You yeah. you have yep. a record before I had a record. I don't know if I ever gave you this forty five, but I the, think you might have. But well, I but well, if you're giving that one for to you me to, now, here's sure. another one for you to lose. It'll but, be the first thing that I. But in, in nineteen, I have four. I have a stack of forty fives down in the basement. It might actually be in there. Okay, I wouldn't have thrown add it away. Add it to I'll the add stack. it to the. I can listen to them in stereo now. But in, in 1987, we had the band Bob and Bob, Dave and I, and Mick right. and Ed, and we uh, it was the first Bob uh, band. And I, I had the I had a, I said let's make a 45. So I had these 45s pressed. I think about 500 of them. Yeah, and uh, you could do then, that. Back then then we were trying to sell them at our gigs, and then I people were coming up to me one after the other and go, you know, I don't have a way to play this already by 1987. People were not playing forty five, so I missed the boat yeah, on that. Yeah, so, so that was really smart. But it was, <laughs> but now it's shrewd be a marketing cool on my part. Throwback hipster thing. Uh, yeah, so, now they're retro. Now, yeah, now you'd probably be able to sell them at a gig. Well, the two hundred thirty seven I've left, I should try. Yeah, I, I think if I think if you play any gigs, you should have these there. And then another thing, when he's selling them. when this when this was mastered, 
Uh, the song Patty Lynn, that's, which is the A side. Yep. It was, uh, it was mastered. Yeah, it says right there, side A. It's mastered where the bass is too loud. It's, it's different than the actual. Oh, mas- they did that. Yeah. And so <laughs> we, we gave a couple. Because they could change that. A couple, like, bar, a couple bars in the area actually accepted it to play in their jukeboxes. And the first, and Dave and I would give them the, and the first time we were at a place where they played the, the song, Patty Lynn started, and once the song got got going, it just started skipping like crazy because the, oh. the bass was so prominent, it was making the needle jump. So that was another shrewd marketing thing on our part where, well, where you couldn't actually play it. That wasn't really your fault. <laughs> no. That, that was whoever did the mastering, uh, whoever whoever made the – That is – Cut that, the disc. Right, that is you their – Whoever ran the lathe. Right, so that is their fault, right? Because It is totally uh, their fault. The, the master tape – didn't well the master tape was a tape so it's hard to say if my needle right. would jump but, but back back in the day well and now records are back again but i mean yeah. uh they, they would they would take the master tape and then there was a whole art to how you translated that master tape and they'd run it through you know yeah. different processors and stuff to get it onto the disc right and uh and one of the things that they they had to watch from what i was told was too much bass would make the needle jump out of the groove. So they would right. they would watch that going in you, you, so that it sounded good but but didn't make the needle jump. Yeah, you wanted to hear out. it nice, but uh, and apparently this guy didn't <laughs> didn't do it, that. He failed. It jumps it jumps. You around. had one job, dude. One job. Here's Patty Lynn by Bob and Bob jumping <laughs> off the charts, jumping <laughs> off the needle, actually. Well, that's unfortunate. Yeah, yeah, it's uh it's ironic yet funny. Yeah. And uh so we we, uh, we had 500 of these. Nobody could play them, and the people that that uh, a lot of people that wanted to play them couldn't because they didn't have a turntable anymore. Right. So, so then I, since we were at such cutting edge, it was a year later, 1988. We came out with our first cassette, a full cassette album, and once again we we go to sell them, and people were telling me I don't have a cassette player anymore. I just <laughs> I just do CDs. So so I at I, least you bought the VHS player. That, you were you were right on with that one. So we had we had the forty five that no one played, and, and now I was selling cassettes that most people didn't want because they went to CD already. Right. So once again, came right through with yeah cutting edge ahead of my time. Well, let's play this song, shall we? Let's see if it jumps. Yeah, there we go. Hmm. Okay. Yeah, that was great. Good song, man. Thanks well, very much. You can't even play that on Your YouTube. Bananas browning. That's not even on YouTube. I know you it. could you could put that on YouTube. You keep saying that, but I don't know how. <laughs> I don't know it's how. Not that how, hard. How do you play like, a forty-five and get it on 300 YouTube? Three hundred million videos on YouTube. Somebody's figured out how to do it. I know, but I, it's not <laughs> These me. People aren't rocket scientists. Uh, well, you get that. Put. I want it on YouTube by 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 Monday. Well, I'll need to borrow your record player. Oh, there's that. Yeah, I don't really have a way to. Don't you have to have a turntable with one of those USB port things or something? So no, it can you go can into do, your computer. All you need to do is be able to play it into anything that converts it into digital. You have to put a microphone. It doesn't in front, have to. You be have to put a microphone in front of the turntable, no, and then plug the microphone into a guitar time. amp. Right. Well, what are you living in 1960? 69 <laughs> at the mental health facility. Yeah. No, the, we we can we can we can make that happen. Yeah. But I'll I I I don't have the uh, I don't have a turntable. Oh, so that's the that's the only thing I'm missing in the process. And, and when you, when we had this printed, it, we could design the uh, record label, and, and you made it. it silver, right? And we so we, what is the worth? I'm going to hide this. Don't look. 
Okay. What color is the Warped Records record label? Sliver. Silver. Right, there you go. You're right. Yep. You did it to me. Now I did it to you. That's that's nice. We're yeah. even. But uh, and I do like the fact that your record company was called Warped Records. I know. I think it's great because if you, I, if I can, you somebody must system. have done that. You would think because it, it's an easy joke. Yeah. But <laughs> but it's a I good st- joke. I still haven't seen it anywhere. Yeah. But. It's been our joke since 1987. Since 1987. So, but the format came back, so you're ahead of, ahead of your time. So there you go. There's your own warped record of Bob and Bob, Patty Lynn slash Don't Run. Absolutely. Well, you know what? We're, we should do this again because we've only taken it up to the mid-'80s, and we're already an hour in, and I'm going to say thanks for coming, man. Oh, you're, you're cutting me off already? Yeah. <laughs> but Say thank you, Pete. Thank you, Pete. All right. <laughs> Okay, that's my interview with Dennis Kramer, my conversation with him. Hope you dug it. I'm Pete Pollack, and this is the Big Hairy Eyeball Podcast. I will be back in two weeks with another exciting episode, so stay tuned for that. Subscribe if you can. You can go to the website, and there are links to basically everywhere you can get it, and um, you know, hopefully you can probably at this point get it a few places that I don't even know about, because that's kind of how the... The whole internet web thing works. It just, you know, you put something out there, and then all of a sudden it's in places you you never expected to find it. So anyway, uh, you can go to BigHairyEyeball.com, check it out, and that'll hook you up with any place that you want to subscribe it, or you can just listen to it there, right there on the web webpage. And uh, that's it. I will see you in two weeks. I'm Pete Pollock. Have a great, uh, well, have a great couple of weeks, and I'll see you then. Big Hairy Eyeball. <laughs>